You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Always going to be with you, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Do you remember your baptism? If you got baptized, do you remember it? You know, uh, if you were in a tradition where you baptized as a baby, you won't remember that. But for a lot of you, you grew up uh, at some point, you got baptized. Maybe you were a kid, maybe you were an adult. And uh, what was that experience like? I'm going to ask you to uh, to share that if there's kind of a story with it, 888-528-2557. But the reason is, is because there's a controversy happening at the University of Auburn uh, because of baptisms that happened on that campus uh, just two weeks ago, and uh, 200 students got baptized, and it was an unplanned event. And that is an incredible thing. This is uh, news from a local Auburn, uh, Alabama state, uh, station. Well, tonight we hear from Auburn University students who witnessed something rather unique on campus, a Christian revival. Yeah, last night a worship service spiraled into an impromptu <clears throat> baptism event, which has now gone viral on social media. It made the news and it went viral everywhere on social media. And the things that people say, and I want to talk about this because baptism, it becomes, I think sometimes for us, a kind of an internal church thing. And, uh, you know, it's a great celebration. Baptism Sundays were my favorite ones. Or if we went out to the beach and did baptisms, it was amazing. And they're so fantastic what happens in baptism. I don't want us to miss this this thing that Jesus calls us to do and what it represents. And I want to show you that 2,000 years later, it's still an amazing deal. Listen to this uh, Auburn student. Auburn University senior Michael Floyd says he will never forget what he witnessed on campus Tuesday night. I've seen Auburn basketball beat Kentucky. I've seen um, Auburn football beat Alabama. But I have never seen something like I did on Tuesday night. I think that, you know, for Auburn fans, you know, or, you know, college football, college sports fans, you remember the big games, right? You remember where you were. Auburn won a game a few years ago on the final play of the game against their their rival, Alabama, and it was a failed field goal, and a kid caught it in the end zone and ran all the way back 100 yards for a touchdown, and Auburn won. Nobody thought they were going to win. And, you know, when you watch all the kids run out in the the field, and you will never, ever forget that. And yet here we have a kid named Michael Floyd, and he says, I've seen all of that, but the biggest thing I've ever seen is this baptism that happened on my campus. The most incredible thing I've ever seen was this. Thousands packed Neville Arena for a night of worship. When it was ending, one student wanted to be baptized. But without a tub, crowds started gathering at this lake at Auburn's Red Barn, where roughly 200 people gave their life to Christ. Even head football coach Hugh Freeze got in the water to help. Now that right there at the end is where this begins to get controversial, although it's a stupid controversy. We'll talk about it in a minute. And what I mean by that is it's not going anywhere. It's not going to be, there's going to be no lawsuit or anything because they didn't do anything wrong. But the football coach Hugh Freeze got in the water and participated in baptizing some of the kids, including one of his own players on his football team. And that is where some people tried to uh, make an issue of it. But I want you to focus on this here, on how powerful this event is. So all of a sudden you have people getting baptized in a very public place in 
it was not planned. And the reaction that's happening from the students and from the faculty who was there, it went viral on social media. It made the news, right? It's on the news. How many of your baptisms were on the news? Not too many of you. Maybe there was a couple of baptism events we had here in Southern California this summer out at Pirate's Cove. A couple of groups, you know, Harvest did one and another group did one. And it was driven, I think, by a lot of uh, the Jesus Revolution movie. And there was a lot behind that. But I think there's something bigger going on here. I think when we're talking about baptism, we are, we are right in the middle And if I can be honest with you, with what is really spiritual warfare, because this is a big deal, and part of that battle that's going on is how well people remember it, how impactful baptism is. And it's a simple thing, right? You go under the water and you come up. Why would that be so impactful? It's a religious thing that people do. Why can it be such a significant thing? And yet over and over again, we are seeing a response to this happening that is much, much bigger than just the people who happen to be at the event. This is Kristen Carr, a reporter who watched it. Kristen Carr is a student journalist who watched it all play out. Her video shows the crowd cheering every time someone resurfaced, something she hasn't seen before. Never in my life. I mean, I was even talking to adults who were there that were a part of it, and they said that they had never witnessed anything like that. Now, I find that to be curious because I've been to a lot of beach baptisms and maybe I grew up in church and I was at a really big church for a while where we did them at the beach. We did some at uh, the beach when I was a pastor. I had a couple of people, great ladies who wanted to get baptized at the beach and they were, they were, let's just say they were elderly. I won't mention their names, but uh, you know, we had to kind of wrestle and we weren't going into like the bay or someplace where you go where the water's calm. We were in the beach where the waves are crashing. And I remember thinking, you know, you're kind of up there in age, and I'm not sure that uh, we should do this, but uh, they insisted. And I said, okay, and we did. And, you know, sometimes you think in the middle of the baptism that they're going to go meet Jesus right now. Uh, And uh, that didn't happen, but I'll tell you what, it's a powerful thing. But I've seen it a lot. Sometimes I'm at the beach, and I'll see some other church down there, especially on the weekends, right? You'll see some church group that is meeting at the beach for baptisms. I'll bet that a lot of us here in Southern California have seen this, and I would think that a lot of people in Alabama have seen baptisms, and yet this one has, you know, big public baptisms in the beach or in a lake or something somewhere, and yet this is impacting people in quite a way. What was your baptism like and do you remember it? You know, I realize that uh, many of you might have been baptized as a baby. You don't have that memory. But for a lot of you, you do. 888-528-2557. And let me ask you this question. How important is baptism? Have you thought about how critical that is to our faith? Why did Jesus give us this this symbol? Why did he give us this thing to do? There's not really a lot of specific things, kind of from a religious standpoint, that Jesus told us to do. But this is one of them, that when we go out and we make disciples, we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that this is part of it, that this is really something that is critical that we do because of the statement that it makes. Jesus was baptized. John the Baptist says, I don't think I ought to be baptizing you. You know, why are you you here? You know, it is Jesus felt it was so important that he did that. Have you thought about this? I get excited by it because it's not the end of of the road or the place where, you know, hey, you've made it, you've been baptized. No, you should go on your whole life developing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I do believe that when you get saved, and I would say this to those of you maybe who are 
if you became a Christian at some point, you accepted Jesus, you you came forward at some event or some church service, and you said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, have you been baptized yet? And I'll challenge you that if you haven't, you know, one of the first things that happens in the New Testament is people got baptized. Bam, that would happen. They didn't go to class either. Did you believe in Jesus? Yeah, bam, baptized. Um, They didn't have the luxury of the class and things like that. And certainly today we want to make sure, you know, if you are somebody who says you're a Christian, that you really know what it is. I found that out a lot that I would have people come forward at different events to receive Christ or whatever the altar call moment was. And if I was leading it or if I was praying for it, often people today come forward and they want to accept God, but they're not too sure about Jesus, right? They want to accept spirituality and they've heard a message about grace and love and what Jesus brings. But the idea that only Jesus brings that, the idea that Jesus is the Savior, the idea that uh, I'm going to confess him as the Lord of my life, the idea that I'm going to repent of my sins, sometimes we leave that off, right? And you can't. That when we come to Christ, you know, you're, you're giving him your life. That's what it is. And baptism represents moving from death to life in Christ. It's, it's a big deal. So part of talking about this is that we have an understanding of it, that it's important. If you're a new believer and you haven't been baptized, I would ask you why. And I think that you need to do that, but you need to really say, do I really believe this? And I also think that our stories matter a lot about baptism, that this is an opportunity to share this with friends. You know, if you're if you going to get baptized, you're going to have a baptism at your church or at the beach or wherever you're going to do it. This is a great time to invite your, your friends, your non-Christian friends, people in your life. You know what? They show up. They show up to it. It's something that's important to you, and they may not have that belief or share that, but they're glad to come for you. And it's the simplest way to say, you know what, I am publicly committing my life to Christ, that I'm going to live for him. And I think that is amazing. Now, when we get back to this school here, you're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, by the way, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, or maybe you've got a story about your baptism, and uh, we'd love to hear it, 888-528-2557. This event, I think, is significant that we should think about this because it's not planned. Most of the time we have baptism services planned, right? You go to, some churches have it once a month. For a while we used to do it, I think, on the first Sunday of the month or something. And we would schedule a beach baptism for the summertime. I remember doing that. We had this big barbecue and this really great time. We used to do it out in the bay in uh, San Diego when I was down there. And I'm not sure that the bay, it prompt, the bay, you know, you walk out there to get baptized. It's a little slimy down there. <laughs> but it might be more like the Jordan River, which is not the cleanest river either. So maybe it was a little bit better. I like it in the beach, and I like it public because I think it's something that is meant to be a statement. Now, your church is public, but one of the reasons that you want to do it is because you're telling the world, hey, this is what I believe. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that my sins are washed away. I believe that I once was dead and now I'm alive. There are so many great things in the simple symbolic act. And what happened here at Auburn, the reason it's made the news, the reason it has been such a big deal is because of the spontaneity of it, which you got to be careful about. And I'm I'm with you on that. You want to talk to people, but this Bible study, this this happened because five young girls decided they're going to start praying. 
And this is what the story is. And to think this all started because of a worship event. It's being called Unite Auburn. The woman behind this event says it began with just five girls meeting each week to pray in the arena, which grew to 200 students, which caught the eye of local ministries. Who said, we want to get behind this. We, we, you know, we want to see this turn into something much bigger. And it did. Around 5,000 people attended Unite Auburn. It was- Think about that. So five girls started praying. They wanted something to happen that was you know, bigger on their campus. They wanted to see the Lord move. They wanted to see something happen. Five girls turns into an event where 5,000 people came. Bigger. And it did. Around 5,000 people attended Unite Auburn. It was free. Donors covered the cost. And Pruitt is already getting calls from other universities to bring similar programs to their campuses. Now that part makes me a little uncomfortable about the programs. Like you're going to go try and redo it somehow programmatically. You know, I think if you want to redo it, then what you do is you go get five people to start praying and then wait for the Lord to work. Right? I mean, there's there's practical things, you know, to to do if you're going to share your faith. But you got to be careful not to program what God or the Holy Spirit's going to do, right? I think the Holy Spirit wants you to work, and I think he works through the program. So don't don't think I think you shouldn't do the work. I think you absolutely should. But don't miss the fact that this started with five people who were led to go pray, that they were led to say, you know what, we want to see what the Lord will do. We're going to pray. That I think if you're going to program it, then just program it in your heart. And you got to schedule a time that's programming, and you meet with other people and start to pray. Pray on your campus. If you're listening at UCLA, imagine if this happened here in Los Angeles. UCLA or USC or Cal State LA, Cal State San Diego, imagine the impact there. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're talking about baptism. Do you remember your baptism? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Vicki in West Hills, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Hi, Vicki. Um, Yes, my baptism, um, I hope you're doing well today. It sounds like it. I, I listen to your show often, so well, thank you, um, thank you um, for being such a great host. Um, I, my baptism, I came from a Catholic background, and I, I was going through some stuff, and I knew I, I fell into a small little church called Hillcrest. Now it's called Shepherd, but at Hillcrest, um, a pastor, I went a couple of times, and then the pa- one of the pastors came up to me and said, have you been baptized? And I'm like, yeah, as a baby. And they're like, you know, you have to choose Christ on your own. You know, you have to choose Christ. And um, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I was excited about doing it, so I got baptized, and I guess I didn't have the clearest understanding of it. They told me a little bit about it, and I thought I knew from what I came from a Catholic school but and, and background. I, I got baptized, you know, at the, the dunking under the water and coming up, and I literally thought I was going to never sin again. <laughs> but oh. it was the most exciting thing ever. <laughs> and then I realized really quickly that was not the case because right. I was human. And then, you know, I after I, I learned that that's not what it really was about. It was about me um, giving my life over to Christ, allowing Him to lead me, and, and, and I wanted to follow Jesus. I wanted to follow His life. I am a Christian. And so what that did for— I. It also talks about being obedient, and I wanted to show people that I belong to the family of Christians, hmm. and um, I was just really excited. And so then I grew as a Christian, and I went to one of the, uh, the Holy Land um, the uh, trips, and um, I had Pastor Dudley um, 
I rededicated my life because I really understood more what it really meant to follow Christ. Yeah. And I was baptized again, but it was it was not a rebat. I had been baptized already, but it was just a rededication mm-hmm. of my commitment to Jesus. So uh, it, it's it's a beautiful thing, and I try to tell people how important it is. Um, but you know, they they have to make that decision. Christ, God will call them their their heart to Him, but we, He uses us as a vessel to just share the word and speak it out and, and live. Yeah. Want to be a living living, breathing uh, 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 example of who Christ is. There's something about it that I think, and I think you realize this, that part of what uh, baptism is, and I realize something, and I'll I'll put this out there, I realize there's different traditions and there's some different understandings, but I would say for all of us, we want to go to what the scriptures actually say. And, uh, you know, there are some things that people uh, and might disagree on here and there. And I get that. I'm I'm a Baptist minister, okay? I'm a Baptist. I'm a Protestant. I've got opinions on what this is. But, you know, my my Lutheran pastor friends have some different opinions, but I still believe they're following Jesus. But, you know, at the end of the day, there needs to be a, a public declaration where basically you're, you're telling the world of your intention to follow Jesus, right? That, Absolutely. That, yeah. That's what this is. It's not that you, you get saved and you never tell a soul about it. You know, right. it is and a, that. yeah. And, uh, you get to do that and you did that. Uh, you know, I don't think we, people need to get rebaptized unless they think that no, they weren't really not. saved. You know, Absolutely. Uh, I think I know people who are like, no, I did it because we were at camp and there was a girl who was cute and she was getting baptized. So I got right. in the lake too, you know? Okay. Yeah. That, that doesn't count. Right. right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I agree. Yeah. I agree. It was just, mainly a dedication. It was not a rebaptism because yeah. I had been baptized already. But I know I needed to be baptized um, more than the sprinkling that my parents chose for me. Then I was able to choose Christ on my own. It's important to make your own uh, profession of faith. We all have to do as much as we want to, all of us, I think, want to bestow faith upon our kids. Uh, even, and even if you're practicing infant baptism, part of that ceremony, if it's done uh, in an orthodox way, is to say, mm-hmm. we get it that this baby doesn't know. That's why you have godparents, right? And the, the whole routine of that. that there's, but still, there's a point in your life when you have to say, this is my faith. I choose to follow oh, absolutely. Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely, because I used to uh, do uh, life groups with uh, young teens and found out that some of them only got baptized because they, their families had been baptized, and they thought that that rubbed off on them and made them Christian. Yeah, and we had to kind of talk about it and and really explain that no, this is your choice. Yeah, you have to make this. It's important. So, yeah, hey, Vicky, thank important. you for sharing your story on the uh, Pastor You're Scott welcome. Show about your baptism. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven is the number if you want to join the conversation or share your story about baptism. If you have one. 888-528-2557. We're talking about the baptism of 200 kids at Auburn University that happened over a week ago. It was spontaneous. And what happened at this event? So you have this event. There was five young women who started to pray, saying, we want to see God do something on our campus. He did. He does. They end up putting together this, organiz- this, this meeting called Unite. It was just a worship event. Well, some kid goes up and says, hey, I've received Christ tonight. I want to get baptized. And they said, well, we didn't bring in a tub. We just, you know, where do we do it? And somebody said, well, there's a lake outside. Let's go to the lake. And they did. And thousands of people went out to this lake. 200 people got baptized. Are they all brand new believers? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm sure that there are people who 
were in the emotion of it. And I'm sure there are people who did it because the girl was cute who was doing it before, right? That happens. But I think that when you watch this and you see those girls, you know, those those men and women get baptized, a lot of them are coming up and they are in tears. And I think that the response that happens is one of the evidences that this is something that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated, that there has been a, a movement here on this campus that started with prayer, and it started with the prayer of some faithful kids, and has become something very, very public. And the football coach, who was an outspoken Christian, the basketball coach was there too, they were at this Christian event. And the controversy that was brewing is, is it appropriate? This happens all the time, right? Because apparently if you work for a school, you're not allowed to have any sort of faith at all, or you're not allowed to express it. Um, That's not constitutional. That's not right at all. We've seen that through different court cases and things that you have a right, if you work somewhere, even if you work for a public school or you work for the government, you have a right to practice your faith. You have a right to do that. And, you know, unless you are coercing people to do it, like if you were saying to a kid, you can't be on the football team unless you come out here and get baptized, well, that's wrong. That's wrong even from a Christian perspective, right? You can't coerce people to do it. It needs to be something you do for yourself because you're making that statement. That matters a lot, right? So there would be agreement there. When we come back, uh, I'll take your calls about your baptism story, but also the controversy is there's a group uh, that is a foundation that's out there that is meant to get religion out of the public square. And they're really upset about this. And they're upset that football coach was involved. They are upset that this happened on a, on a university campus that's not a Christian university. It's a secular university. And they put out some stuff to complain about this. And I think that also is part of the spiritual warfare because it doesn't make any sense. You know, if it were something where you're leveraging this and you can't, you can't be on the football team or you can't do this, or you're going to get a better grade if you do this, then I would agree. You can't do that. But that's not what happened here. Yet, I think we need to understand the story, and uh, we need to recognize that whatever is going on spiritually, the battle is real, and the battle is won by the simplest declarations of the gospel. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show, tell us your baptism story. You can give us a call, 888-528-2557. You can also watch us right now on kkla.com on the live stream. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Governor Kay Ivey said the Freedom From Religion Foundation letters were, quote, misleading and misguided. And she says that no one's religious liberties were violated because the events were attended by adults and that, quote, no one faced any threat of adverse consequences for declining to participate. That is a report in uh, Alabama after in a Christian event on the University of Auburn's campus led about 5,000 people who were at the event, 5,000 uh, students and faculty and other people who came to a baptism event that was spontaneous that two saw 200 students get baptized right outside in the lake. And this has brought a lot of attention and it has brought the ire of a group called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. It's a foundation. People pay money for that. The Freedom From Religion Foundation. And they're saying this shouldn't be happening on a public campus. The government officials, people who work for the government or who take government dollars for their salary or other stuff. We've seen this over and over again in public schools and other places. 
shouldn't participate in this. And the way they phrase it is that this would be coercive to students because in this case, the football coach Hugh Freeze was involved, in fact, even baptized one of his players, but he's an outspoken Christian. And the governor of the state wrote back and said, uh, no, this is not something that is a constitutional violation. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. Interested in your story about baptism, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You know, I think when these kinds of things happen, that the the spiritual significance, because what I find interesting is the Freedom From Religion Foundation has filed some lawsuits. They've had some victories here and there that you lose most of the time. But they announced here that they're, that they're not going to file a lawsuit and stuff. That's because they're totally wrong. This is an after-school event. It's something that a private group of people paid for and funded. It just so happens that it was a huge deal, and the football coach, who happens to be a believer, went, and one of his football players got saved at the event, wanted to be baptized, and he baptized him. And the argument is, is that the football coach or anybody who works for the university shouldn't have the right to participate in this or to do it at the university. I don't think it would be different for them if they even did it at this guy's church or somewhere. At some point, you've got to be able to practice your faith. And that is the argument that's being made. I think baptism is a huge deal. It's a huge deal in our churches because it makes the statement about the faith and what our intentions are about living our life to, for Christ. And I think that's part of the spiritual warfare. I, don't, you know, I want to be careful of spiritual warfare because I don't want to define it more than what the Bible defines. The Bible tells us that it's happening. It doesn't tell us a lot about how it's happening, only that there's going to be deception, that the, the evil one and however it works is going to try to deceive you and keep you from coming to know the faith, or if you know Jesus, to keep you from being effective at the faith by tempting you in sin or other things. I think what baptism does is it focuses us right on the main things that Jesus did for us, his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, the grace that we have in becoming alive in Christ. There are so many great ways to say it. If you've got a baptism story, we'd love to hear it. 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557. David in Thousand Oaks, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks, Pastor Scott. Um, It's good to hear from you. I've called uh, several times, and I never got a fanfare. Oh, here we go. I'm sorry that you never—your first time when you called, you didn't get the first-time caller fanfare. Here you go. I did not. All right. Now, are we, are we caught up? We're caught up. All right. I calling. <laughs> so, anyway, my, my story is kind of simple. I accepted Christ when I was five years old. I, uh, came, I, I come from a Christian home, and— uh, I didn't get baptized right away because for some reason in my tiny little mind, I thought I only saw adults get baptized. I thought it was something that adults did. Hmm. And uh, so I saw, I went over to my, a friend's house and he had a picture of his uh, baptism up in his room. And so I went home and said, hey, uh, Lonnie got baptized. I want to get baptized. And my parents were like, well, it is, it is correct. You, you did accept Christ as your Savior uh, yeah, and you need to follow the Lord in baptism. So... At uh, nine years old, I got baptized. Oh, uh, our church had a pool, and that's what we used. <laughs> good for you. And you know what I like about that yeah. is that you made the decision, right, even as a nine-year-old. Uh, yeah, you- my parents my parents didn't make any decisions for me when it came to my, my, my Christianity, my spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I really thank them for that. They, and I do the same thing with my daughter when she accepted Christ as yeah. her Savior. I, I think that matters a lot. I did that for my kids, too. And, the, and my kids, you know, are right. pastor's kids, right? So there's... There's pressure, and that shouldn't be there, but there is, of, you know, why aren't the pastor's kids baptized, right? 
Right. Uh, I didn't want them well, to have any of that or to feel it from me because I'm the pastor, because they need to make their decision about Christ. And uh, they right. did. They're both baptized later than a lot of their friends, but they made that decision on their own. In fact, my younger son, John, uh, we didn't get to it right away. He was irritated with us, so <laughs> good for him. <laughs> anyway, I love that story. I love everything about that story. And I, I, those five girls probably had no idea of the impact that they were making. But yeah. God had his, his, his hand in it. And um, it reminded me of something I would have read out of Acts. Oh, yeah. You know, that's an excellent an excellent point. David, thanks for calling the uh, Pastor Scott Show. I'm glad we got your, your fanfare uh, taken care of there. That is one of the things that I want people to see, because obviously this ended up in a story that's national, that's got baptism going. It bothers some people that this happens because it's a public profession of faith in Christ. And, you know, but, you know, if you were to get together and pray at your school, at your campus, wherever it is, just you and a few people, whether you work there or you go to school there, or maybe just in your city somewhere, and just say, God, we want you to do something in our town. We want you to use us for your glory and pray. Maybe it would turn into something like this that would result in a bunch of baptisms and a big event. Maybe it would be something that's less noticeable, but I think that one of the lessons we have from Scripture and one of the lessons that we continue to have in this world is that when people pray and their heart is right with the Lord, when they're not asking for something for their own glory, but for the glory of God, that God does amazing things. And he's right. This is just like something out of the book of Acts. You could imagine reading this where, you know, five people go and they pray and then uh, the Lord does something. And what did he do? He added to their number. When the Bible says he added to their number, he doesn't mean that some Christians moved from Antioch to Ephesus and so your church grew. He means that people got saved in your town. He means that God added to the number of believers who were saved. And that's something that I would encourage you to to pray about and and to do. 888-528-2557 is the number. This stirred up the ire of an atheist group called uh, Foundation from Religion Foundation. And this is more of uh, the story of their response. They wrote a letter to the governor and to the school and to Coach Freeze uh, objecting to the baptisms and the public display of Christian faith. A mass baptism has Auburn head football coach Hugh Freeze in hot water. Using his religion, getting involved with students and um, pushing his religion on his students, um, that immediately raised a flag. In a letter to Freeze and the university, the Freedom From Religion Foundation warned to stop incorporating religion into its athletic program. But you've got his public officials using their role to, um, you know, ask students to participate in a religious worship service. See, and that's not what happened at all. The students were free to go. They were not leveraged. There was no leverage. You need to go to this or else you can't start in the team. I would get it if there were that. I wouldn't like that as a Christian if that were going on. But that's not what was going on. And what this group tries to do is it's called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. A big part of what they're trying to do is say that that religion just should not be part of the public conversation at all. And that is a big part of their goal. Legal counsel for the nonprofit, Chris Line, says students expressing their religion and being a part of this event is fine. Their concern is the lack of separation of church and state as required by the First Amendment. Governor Kay Ivey responded to their complaint, writing, quote, requiring college officials to entirely remove faith from their lives could violate their own religious freedom. 
So it's not there's not going to be any trouble there. What I really want to point out is that it's offensive for people who don't believe in Christ, baptism is. It's something that is the free gift of salvation being bestowed upon somebody because of faith. And you know that is such a it's such a wonderful thing if you realize that you are a person who needs salvation, which all of us do. When you come to the the point where you realize that I can't earn this, that the the philosophy of earning salvation is one that I can't meet. Uh, there's no way I can be good enough. I can be good. I can be better than that person. You can have some kind of scale of good. But the Bible tells us that none of us are good, that we all fall short of the glory of God. And the great thing about our faith, the Christian faith, is that Jesus did the good for you, that the good that you need to earn salvation was accomplished by Jesus. He paid the penalty for your sin. He lived the perfect life that you can't live. He died for you. He rose again, defeating death. And one day, even though you're going to die, you're going to follow him into that tomb, but you're also going to come out. And you're going to come out through the hole that he punched in death into everlasting life and perfection. That's what baptism is about, and that's why it ruffles feathers, too, because there is something spiritual that's always happening. And I think we need to make baptism, continue to make baptism a big deal. 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. Martin in Pico Rivera, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yeah, hi, hi Pastor Scott. You know what? Um, just concerning the baptism, I I just, uh, you know, I've been baptized and all that, and all, whatever all that might be, right? But my, my concern is, you know, you you did mention taking a class. Now, I do read and I do study. The thing is, for myself, is churches all across our nation and our cities, they always only say that it is a public display of our faith. But in the passage when Christ was baptized by John, it says, it is a baptism of repentance, and nobody ever includes that. So when I took the class, you know, I shared with the brother. I go, no, dude, this is what it says right here. How are you mm-hmm. going to tell me it's only a, pub- a public display of my faith when it tells us right here that it is the baptism of repentance? You know, and, yeah, you know, I, and I did mention that earlier, that repentance is a part of coming to Christ, but I think it's something that gets lost in it, and you're, you're right to make this point. That uh, And thank you for calling and, and pointing that out. i got to take a break here in a second. But I want to make this point about it, that when you come to Christ, you are coming in repentance. Otherwise, you're not coming to Christ, right? It's, it's something that we—and I'm not against the classes either. I don't want to say that. You should have a class. I think, you know, with these 200 kids who got baptized, I would want to follow up with every one of them. Do you have any idea what you just did, right? Does this really matter? You know, did you do you recognize what the commitment is? And repentance is a part of it. You know, there's a couple of reasons, I think, why people don't come to Christ. And repentance is one of them, is they they understand that I can come to Jesus as I am, but he doesn't want me to stay as I am. And you've got to give that to the Lord. You have to. And you know what? When you do, you grow in your faith. You have a better life, actually. When you trust Jesus, that Jesus is right about how we ought to live, your life gets better. Part of trusting Jesus is to say, I'm going to give you that, Jesus, even though I'm not quite sure at this moment. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you. Following him means repenting. Following him means you're going to do what he asks you to do uh, and live your life that way. What you find is that your life becomes great. And 
you have to trust God for that. I got to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can follow the Pastor Scott Show on social media. Just look for at Pastor Scott Show, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Auburn University senior Michael Floyd says he will never forget what he witnessed on campus Tuesday night. I've seen Auburn basketball beat Kentucky. I've seen um, Auburn football beat Alabama. But I have never seen something like I did on Tuesday night. I like that story because he's a student who saw 200 people get baptized in the lake at Auburn University. And, uh, you know, he likened that to the great sporting memories that you have. You have sporting memories. I got something, right? Kirk Gibson, home run, 1988. I probably think about that at least once a week. This time of year, I think about it almost every day. That was 35 years ago, I'm sorry to say. And, uh, you know, you remember those kinds of things. Do you remember your baptism? Do you remember what happened there? Do you remember maybe a time where you saw the Lord just do something in somebody's life and uh, you were able to celebrate it in that kind of way? It's something I've been talking about uh, here. I think it's important that we acknowledge that. When somebody gets baptized and they have given their life to Christ, you know, they really have. And we've talked about also here that I recognize that in some Christian traditions, there's some different ideas about it with infant baptism and different uh, arguments we have about those kinds of things. I get it. Um, But for the sake of what we see in the scripture and the public ceremonial expression of what Jesus Christ has done for a person, when certainly they do repent, when they recognize that as Colossians, Paul tells us in Colossians, that having been buried with him in baptism and raised through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead, that it's, it really is death to life, that we're celebrating that. that. And that's what we have to remember, too, as Christians, because we get off track so often about going to church, about religious routine and other stuff that's important, but it's important only in fulfilling the mission we've been given. The number is 888-528-2557. If you've got a baptism story that you want to share, 888-528-2557. I remember reading in the church bulletin when I was a little kid, uh, if you'd like to be baptized, we'll be having a baptism service on November 20th. And I remember that. And I told my dad, who was the pastor? I want to get baptized and I want to go to this. And I was so grateful that he didn't force me to do it as the pastor's kid. And I, Christy and I were able to do that with our kids. We, it's important that we realize our kids have to make that decision for themselves. I had somebody who worked for me who was a pastor's kid. For a while, I almost only hired pastor's kids because they were cynical enough to understand church ministry. It was a great team. And uh, she didn't get baptized, I think, till she was 19 or 20. And I thought, that's really amazing, and amazing that uh, there was probably concern in that church for her dad about being a pastor, and why isn't your kid baptized? You know what's going on here. There's all kinds of pressures, you know, that happen for pastor's kids. That's why they're either famous or in prison, you know, one of the two. That's a pastor's kid joke there. Um, Anyway, I remember getting baptized. We had this huge, what seemed huge, maybe it's not as big as I remember, but as, you know, a little kid, I remember it being this huge tub that they'd wheel out. And uh, when I got baptized and I went under the water, my feet came up. And I remember my feet popping out the top. And I remember looking through it. And uh, it was a great day. And, you know, I understood what baptism was and I, I followed Jesus. I remember later, though, in life, once I went to college and I was sort of away from parents. 
And I realized one day, I kind of remember where I was even on the campus. I went to UC Riverside. And I remember thinking, you know, I could get away with a whole lot here. And there was a moment when I really had to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? You know, was that really me picking my faith or was it my parents' faith that I have? We all have to do that. We all have to to make our faith our own. Otherwise, it's not really faith. You know, you can't, it doesn't come to you through the bloodstream. It's something that each one of us are accountable for. As parents, we want to instruct our kids as best we can in what the gospel is and what following Jesus means. And, you know, as kids, when we're home and we're with parents and we're going to youth group, you know, the joke is, you know, a lot of kids at our youth group had a drug problem. They were drugged to youth group. They were drugged to church by their mom or their grandparent or something. At some point, you don't have that anymore. At some point, you can pick it and you can decide if you're really going to follow Jesus. I hope that you do. And I hope that you know something else is that wherever you're at, Maybe you've decided, I'm not going to follow Jesus. Maybe you went to college or you graduated from high school or even maybe during high school or at some point in your life you decided, you know what, I'm not going to do this, not for me. You still have the opportunity to make that choice and come back. This Auburn situation, you know, it frustrated a group called the Freedom From Religion Foundation. And, you know, they have an interesting view of history. They start out by saying the history of Western civilization shows us that the most social and moral progress has been brought about by persons free from religion. And uh, I don't think that's true in any historical look. I think that you have abuse of religion. I think you have it even from the church. You certainly have it when the government's involved. You know, part of the reason that we have freedom of religion in our country is we learn something over over the course of decades, or not decades, centuries, that if the government chooses your religion for you, it's also not real. You know, if you're born in, it used to be if you're born in Germany, you're a Lutheran. If you're born in Switzerland, you're probably a Baptist. If you're born in Italy, you're probably Catholic. If you're born in England, you're Catholic or you're Anglican or you're England or you're Catholic or you're Anglican or you're whatever it is. It depends on whose head was getting cut off at the moment. And it doesn't work. And a lot of people who fled Europe and other parts of the world and came to the new world, it was religious freedom. And they came and they brought with them some notions that were wrong, right? They, in some cases, brought slavery. It was wrong. In some cases, they brought government religion. The Puritans tried to set that up, and it doesn't work. But the light bulb goes on when you realize that actually the government is under God, like we say in the pledge, that the government is established by God, that rights come from a creator, that they're not invented by government or by man, and that God can't be invented by government or man either. If there is a God, it has to be that the government is beneath God. And so the government should be faithful to God in governing in that sense, but not coercing people to believe in God. That's something that each one of us gets the opportunity to do. And you know what? When we live out our faith, when we actually take the time, when people are genuinely faithful and repentance occurs— Societies are completely changed. There is a reason that Western civilization has done well. It's a Judeo-Christian ethic. It is something that's built in. So many people were truly faithful. Other people just recognized that actually there is a better way to live, and it turns out Jesus was right about those things. And some people said, I don't know if I believe in everything Jesus says, but he sure was right about this stuff. That's where we got to go. That's why I think that when you see this happening on our college campuses, and we've seen some very interesting things the last few months happen it should give us a lot of hope in the future that maybe we're going in a, in a place in this world that 
freedom is going to be snuffed out. I think that happens eventually in time, right? That that tyranny will rule until Christ comes back. At some point that will happen, and that is the will of God. I, my view is that that's what plays out in uh, the New Testament, in, in the book of Revelation at the end. However, we don't know when that's going to be. And there's no reason to believe that we aren't living at a time right now that is going to have an incredible revival. There's no reason to believe that all the chaos and all the weird stuff that people believe today is not going to result in people going, wait a minute, this makes no sense. People are getting hurt for no reason. You can't have, like this group talks about the idea of having dignity for terminally ill and the idea of human dignity and this and that. The problem is, is if there's no God, then there really is no dignity in human beings. If there, if there is no God, you know, when you, when you follow that through, then there is no morality other than whatever the powerful group uh, puts over you. And there is no point to it because we're just dust in the wind. I read earlier today that some scientists have figured out that the earth will become uninhabitable uh, at some point because the average temperature will be 150 degrees. You know when that's going to be? 250 million years from now. I know that probably uh, gives you some anxiety. 250 million years from now. That's the hope that we have, by the way, if there's no God. The only hope we have if there is no God is that one day the earth will be unable to sustain life, and one day the sun will explode and destroy the solar system, and that's it. That's the hope that we have if there's no God. That's not going to give you a lot of hope, and it's certainly not going to give you a lot of reason to care about humanity. But if there is a God, then we have hope that there is everlasting life for all who believe in Jesus. We have hope that the baptisms that we've seen in Auburn and the baptisms that you might see in your church are representing something that is real something that actually has been cosmically done in the life of that person being baptized, that they are genuinely saved and have an eternity in heaven. That's worth celebrating. That's worth inviting your friends to. That is worth focusing on because that's where the hope is, my friends. It's in Jesus Christ and not in anything else. So I'm excited to see what the Lord's going to do next. I think that's a big deal, that Auburn story. If you want to hear more about it or get the podcast of our show, if you miss an hour, you can always get our podcast. Just look for the Pastor Scott Show. Wherever you get your podcast, click subscribe. You'll never miss a show. And you can share those on your social media. Please do that. That helps other people learn about our show. And maybe there's somebody you've been talking to about baptism. You can save this show and send it to them on your Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, Pastor Scott Show Podcast. You can also find us at kkla.com. You can follow us on social media at Pastor Scott Show, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, probably some others, but those are where we're at right now. Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be back for hour two of the Pastor Scott Show as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned.